Man, kids say the darnest things, right? Man, that's funny. Um, we are, I promise you there's a reason for why we're showing you that, but not a bad thing to uh, start off with a little humor today. How y'all doing? Good morning. Glad, good afternoon, I guess. Glad you're here. We're packed out in here today. This is awesome. I guess we're getting back to the fall season, back from vacations and whatnot. So it's good to see you guys today. I'm, I'm excited to be here. It's been a, a little bit of time since I've had a chance to get to be up here, a couple months, and so I'm just grateful to get to open the Word of God with everybody today. And uh, we're going to be in Ephesians 5 today. So if you've got the scripture, um, open Ephesians 5 and get there, and, uh, and it will make more sense why we just showed you that video once you get there. Paul is going to start us off today uh, in Ephesians 5 by telling us and, and asking us and pushing us to be imitators of God, to be imitators of our Heavenly Father, to See what it looks like and what does it mean to, as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, imitate God. And I'm just going to be honest with you on the front end here today. There is a lot of text here. Um, and so um, we are going to dive into as much as we can. I mean, every time as a, as a pastor that we get a chance to come up here and open up the word, we, we are thinking about you. We're thinking not about teaching some sort of academic lesson. We're thinking about people, like in our church, faces, names. And we're thinking, what can we best give based upon this text? What's the best message? And what's the, maybe the thing that we want you to walk away with today? And so there's a lot in here. And I just, you'll see that today. But I, we have discussed and I have decided that we're gonna, we're gonna land on one aspect of this. And then here's my encouragement to you. I really want you this week, uh, maybe in your own free time, maybe in uh, your time with the Lord in the mornings or in the evenings, that you would walk through this a little bit more uh, on your own or in your community groups. If you're part of community groups, shout out community groups again. I hear Southside is where it's at. So they just keep getting shout outs left and right. So I'm gonna keep shouting them out, you know. Um, but uh, I love that. But, uh, you know, community groups, you can walk through in community groups this week. You can dive into this deeper. You can look to see more about what is God trying to speak to us. But um, I think the text that we will really um, spend our time on today, uh, it's like a gateway. It's like a doorway, really, to the rest of the book of Ephesians. Uh, really, two of the, the very first two verses here sort of are like a hinge that open up into the rest of, almost the rest of what we will read as we close out the book of Ephesians. It's an amazing text. It's a powerful text. It's a hard text in a lot of ways. If I'm real with you, uh, it is challenging as a pastor to figure out the way to come across something like this because today, uh, Paul is gonna call us up. He's gonna call us up into more and he's gonna call us into a greater and a better living and uh, that's what you'll see happens today. I don't know if you're like me or if you grew up. Um, I grew up with a dad. He's Air Force. He uh, was a colonel. He flew planes in the Air Force. And so I kind of grew up in a little bit of a rigid household. It was Air Force brat moving around every two to three years. And it was do this, be that, do, go there, do, be, make sure you are on time, this, this, this. It was kind of this rigid sort of like you saw in the video. I mean, you hear, that's what struck me about this video is these kids are all, you know, do your homework, clean your room. Go do this. I mean, what, clean the dog poop. You know, come downstairs right now. You know, you hear that from these kids. And it's like this demanding and commanding presence. And I, I watched that video this week. And I honestly, I couldn't help but wonder as I dive into this word and we prepared for this text today, um, do, do we see God this way? Like, how do we view God do you view him when he calls you into things and he gives you lists like are in the text today? There's a list of things that he's calling you to and he says, this is what it looks like to be a Christian. Do you see that list and go, man, he is commanding. He is, 
he's hard. He's demanding of me. Or are you maybe on the other end of the spectrum? I mean, oh, man, God's love. He doesn't really care too much about my lifestyle. I mean, as long as I love people well and, you know, I lead well, I, you know, I can do this and do that. And, oh, I don't worry about all that too much. Do you breeze over lists when you look at them in the scriptures? I think that's a great question to ask how you see him today because you're going to read a list today of uh, literally things that God is calling us to live by. And if we're not careful, we could miss the heart behind it all. We could really miss the affection of a father who is wild about you. Like he is crazy about you. And behind his calling upward is a voice and a father who pursued you at one point in time, Christian. And he chased after you and he pulled you out of whatever you're in. He continues to grow you. He continues to nurture you and point you along the way. And that is the backdrop today. Paul today will tell us what does it look like to live the Christian life. In Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, before we even get here, he unfolds for us more of what this calling looks like. He unfolds for us what happened to us when you and I received Christ by faith. That's what chapters one through three are all about. If you haven't been here, check out the podcast. Amazing stuff to see what happened to us when we chose, when we received him by faith. Chapter four then is this sort of pivot. It's this switch and it becomes a part of answering the question of how then, based upon what he's done, how then do we live? And that's important for you to know because that order is extremely important for us. The order of how that Paul lays that out is very intentional there. He, he, he puts it in this order because what he's saying is we don't live a certain way in order to become a Christian. Amen? We don't do these things. We don't follow this list in order to become a Christian. No, we become a Christian, and because we became a Christian and a follower of Jesus, now we live a certain way. That is the thrust of the message today. It is the thrust of him saying we become Christians and therefore live a certain way. Another way to say it is like this. Our position now in the family of God paves the way for our performance. Where you stand, where you sit in God's eyes today, Christian, paves the way for how you live. It's not the other way around. I mean, for so long, I grew up thinking it was the other way around. I've got to do this. I've got to, maybe God will like me more. Maybe I'll be a better Christian. You ever heard somebody say that? I'm going to be a better Christian. He's a strong Christian. What does that even mean? Well, I mean, really, what does that mean? He's a strong Christian, brother. That brother's strong. He's strong. I mean, maybe it means, it probably has a good meaning to it. But here's the deal. All of us are in process, Every last one of us, me included, me especially, I probably should say, since I'm teaching today, we're in process. And it's the beauty of a God who says, I will take you, I came after you, I will pull you into the family, and I will give you the position of where you're at in the family. And that position, that grace that we are swimming through this ocean of grace now, that paves the way for our performance, our living, our right living with God. Otherwise, hear me say this, otherwise, if it's the opposite, you would be saving yourself. And that is not what happened. Follower of Christ, that is not what happened. That's every other religion in the entire world, every other faith base in the entire world is upon what do I have to do to climb and ascend the mountain and get to the top to get into the right standing with God. And Jesus says, no, I came down the mountain. I did the work. I performed for you 
and brought you into the family. And now this paves the rest of our way. Um, it's like this, you know. Paul is going to tell us we're not like everybody else in this scripture. This was going to say, hey, Christian, you're not like everybody else. You're not meant to look like everybody else. Can I clarify that for us today? We, God does care about our lifestyle. He does care about our living because we're in his family. Your mom and dad, right? They care about how you represent them. Yes, some of y'all are like, yeah, I know. They care about how I live and how I represent them. God cares about that stuff. But it's not like I'm saying today, when, he, when I say to you that God cares about how you live and he cares about your life, I'm not saying that we're better. That's not what we're saying when we tell people as a Christian, well, God has called me to live differently. That's not what we're saying. If you hear me saying that I'm saying we're better than you have to understand, like if I went to somebody and said to them, hey, um, I'm a Christian, this is how I'm called to live. Oh, so you're better than me? No, I'm actually just like you. <laughs> I'm like, just like you. I, I have stress, I have anxieties, I, I have hurt people, people have hurt me. I struggle with addictions, I've come out of hard times, I've dealt with certain things in my life that are really, really messy, I'm part of a broken family, a divorced family, a hurt family, I've had pain, I've had heartbreak, I've had regrets, I am just like you. Do I doubt sometimes? Yeah, I do. Do I have some doubts? I do. Do I get angry with God at times? Yeah. Have I been hurt by the church? I absolutely have. Us too, all of us too. So I just want to say to whoever it is maybe that's in here today that hears that when I say Christians are different and you go, well, does that make you better? I want you to know that nobody in this room today is better than you. Here's what I'm saying today. What I am saying today is that God in his mercy and in his grace chased after me, found me, pulled us into a new family, set us on the right path, pulled us off one path, and put us on a brand new path to richness and meaningful satisfaction of life. That's what it means to be a follower of Christ. Amen? That's what it means to chase after Jesus and to know that I couldn't do it on my own. But he grabbed me and he placed me in a family and he gave me a position and he's gonna give us a lot more that you'll see today in the text. I wanna tell you that I believe firmly that Austin, Texas will begin to change when the church of God changes. That's what's at stake here when God gives us a list and calls us up to higher living, that this city will be redeemed and reflect more of love and life and patience and joy and peace. That's what's at stake when God calls us upward in the family of God to live with him. That's what's happening when we handle things differently, when we approach the world in a different way. But our motivation for our change is not to earn favor with God. Our motivation for our change is what God has done and the deep and desperate love. It matters. Yes, he wants our performance. He wants our lifestyles to continually grow. That is the Christian life. If you've never heard that today, let me tell you, it's almost sometimes more difficult once you become a believer because God wants to iron out the things that don't bring you life. He wants to bring wholeness joy, togetherness, peace, kindness, patience. That's what he longs to deliver. And he, so he calls us into reviewing and self-examination with him, but the motivation is him.
It's what he's done. We're going to open up in chapter 5, verse 1. So if you need a Bible, raise your hands up. We will have um, some ushers come by, and that's our gift to you, by the way. You can keep that or leave it on your seat. Just keep them high. They'll bring it by to you. We'll be in chapter 5, verse 1. We don't have the U version notes today, by the way, so just a heads up on that. But chapter 5, as you're turning there, I'll just give you a little insight to it. I, as I said, it is a gateway. It is a, it is a catalyzer to the rest of what we're going to read. And it's just eight words that start us off that are power-packed. These eight words are so power-packed. And it will begin like this in verse 1. Paul writes, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. The first word, therefore, right then and there. What is he saying? He's saying, therefore, look back at the last four chapters. If you have not, if you've been tracking with us, you know clearly that therefore, Paul uses that word all the time. Therefore, 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 therefore. This brother is building a case. He's building a story. He's building an argument all throughout. And so the rest of what has happened is really important to this point. Therefore, therefore. He says in Christ over and over. You're in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. And he's building this picture. And he is just even going to the last message of last Last week, Josh did a fantastic job of unpacking what does it mean to take off the old self, to put on the new self. And there's this, there was some of this listing, some of this calling began last week, and the Ephesians shifted. There was a pivot more towards this looking at how we are called to live. And I'm just going to look at one of the verses that Josh preached on last week. If you just go back one verse from chapter 5 to verse 32, I want us to see and ask us, well, how are we doing? Verse 32, God raises the bar and the standard in our living. And this is what he says in verse 32. Be kind to one another. Be tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God forgave you. So how are we doing this week? <laughs> how was the kindness this week on 35, I-35 in traffic, huh? How was it over at work when that, that other coworker stole the last cupcake that was yours, huh? I'm kidding. Uh, that happened in my office, okay? What, uh, how was it in your family this week? How was it with your friends this week? Were you tenderhearted? Is there someone that you are holding something against and maybe you've said in your head, I forgive them, but... Man, the way I treat them, not so much. You see, God has raised this bar. Do you feel already, as I say this, there's a little tension in the room? Can you feel it? It's like, oh, everyone's a little quiet all of a sudden, you know? Because God has raised this bar. But then as if he can't get any higher, he says, oh, by the way, be an imitator of me. He takes the bar to another level, to another height. And he says, this is now the goal. Be an imitator of God. He sets it high. Notice he doesn't say imitate somebody else. He doesn't say go imitate Tori, go imitate Mick, or go imitate this person over here. They're pretty, that's a pretty great brother. That's a good brother. That's a strong brother. Let's imitate him. I want to be more like him. Notice he doesn't say Mother Teresa. This is what we, do we not do this? This is not the games we play where we're like, well, I'm not like that guy, but I am, I'm a little bit better than him. You know what I mean? And we kind of look at people's lives and we go, well, I'm a little bit better than that person. I'm a little better there. We play this little game in our heart of who has got a better morality system going on here. And that's not what he's calling to do. He's not calling us to weigh our morality. He's actually saying the goal is to live a life that God would live. Amen. That's the height. That's the pinnacle. And the tension is created there. And that is, frankly, a pretty depressing goal. It's hard. Because I hear that and I go, dang, that's not me. Can I say that as your pastor, by the way? Is that okay? Are y'all going to leave the church? I'll keep it real. That's hard. But I get encouragement. 
when I slow down in this text and when we go a little bit slower, when we don't fly through the text at 50 miles an hour, I don't know whoever taught you how to read the word, but man, I always thought that I had to just get through it. It was like, I gotta get through this reading plan. One year in the plan. I got a plan to God, one year. I got four chapters today. If we don't get through it in this hour, I am done for. Let me tell you, God does not work that way. And you can slow down a little and you can read and devour every word as slowly as it is and study as long as you want. There's freedom in the spirit of Christ. And this is what it says in verse one. It says, be imitators of God. That word be right there, that word be, just circle it and put over it It's to become. The tense of what that is is you are constantly and continuously becoming. So another way to say it is keep becoming more like God, friends. Keep becoming. Why is that good news? Because Paul is even admitting in the writing that you are becoming. You are in process. You are constantly growing. There's a continual growth. Are you the same person you were five years ago in faith? I pray not. I know if you are in Christ you're not, I guarantee it. I am not the guy, if y'all would have saw me 10 years ago, you would have laughed your head off if, if you heard that I was gonna be a pastor one day. But this is how good God is. We are becoming more like him. That word imitate comes from the Greek word to mimic. It comes from the same word that we use for mimic. He's saying continually become and mimic more of God. Mimic him, follow him. Marion Webster says it's to follow the pattern, the model, or the example. That's what imitation is, to be more like him. So he's saying don't compare yourselves to one another. Compare yourselves to him. Continuously become more like him. Continuously grow. Continuously be a mimicker of God. And you go, well, how is that possible? How is that possible? And this right here, my friends, is the key to everything in this text. As beloved children... Wow, no amens. Why? As a beloved child, as a needy one who has been brought into the family, now follow God. As one who is young and dependent and needs help and needs growth and needs direction and needs pointing and needs correction and needs to be taught, as a child, continuously grow and become more like God. This morning, my friend Barrett Black walked in here and he had his child in a stroller and this dude, his little kid, had these big old eyes looking up at his dad, just smiling like, you know, like the dad just gave him a Willy Wonka ticket or something. I mean, he was big and bright and he was so happy. And I just said, man, do you see your son looking at you? And he goes, yeah, he looks at me like that all the time. (laughs) Don't you love that? Do you look at God with those eyes, your father? And just look at him and see him as a child? Do you place yourself? Do you know that what this is saying today is that you become more of an imitator of God, not by striving, not by trying to be more like God. We need to die to trying to be more like God. And we need to live to living in the reality that I'm a child and a son of God. That has so much weight. It's so simple and so great. You are a child of God and his patience and graciousness among you is beyond your comprehension. Don't you dare compare it to any person you know because it's exceeding that far beyond your wildest imagination. The most gracious, slow and patient person, God is this way. 
It does not mean, and you'll see that he doesn't call us up. You're going to see that. But the umbrella here today is that you have royal, divine DNA in you. And your position was grabbed by God. He pulled you off of where you were, Christian. He placed you in a family. And you are swimming in an ocean of kindness and grace. And it doesn't shift. It doesn't change. It doesn't move. It will not. God's stance towards you does not shift. Yes, it's worth clapping for. Amen. Because God doesn't fleetly change, fleetingly change like we do. Like if someone hurts me, he doesn't change that. If someone betrays me, like we betray God at times, he doesn't shift. If we turn the other way, he doesn't change. Our position stays the same. But as a child, he is a loving father that longs to grow us. Why? Because he wants you to look more like the family. He wants you to look more like him. He knows that in him, he's got a story he's writing. He is, this is the mission, by the way, of God. He is redeeming right now Austin, Texas. He is redeeming the United States of America. I get it. You're like, it does not look that way. Let me tell you, God's ways are higher than ours. He's doing things we don't even know. God is a redeemer. He's a redemption agent, and his mission, his plan is to redeem. Guess what? He started with you. He's doing it with you. He's doing it with others, and he longs to use you to do it in the city of Austin. So why look more like him? Why grow more like him? Because he's got a plan and a purpose for you to be part of his story, to be in the mix of the flow, to be part of the adventure, to be in this great redemption story that will end in history at the end of time. By the way, history is his story. It's his story and you are now a part of it. You are in and you will be at the end of history when you see it all come to an end and come to a close as he redeems everything. That's the hope that's coming. And so Christian, he knows you are still in this fleshly body. He knows you still struggle. He knows you're still walking, but he longs to grow you. And the way he longs to grow you is by the motivation of who you are. You are a saint. That's how he begins Ephesus, uh, the letter to Ephesians. You are an adopted child, Ephesians 1.5. What is the application of Ephesians 1.5? The applications of Ephesians 1.5 that you're a child of God adopted is you become, Ephesians 5.1, an imitator of God. And this is what God is doing. And so this is the umbrella of where he begins. This is how, you know, I, I could have, we could have flown right past. I mean, like I said, we got 21 verses today. We're 23 minutes into our message. We only have a little bit, not a lot, more time. But this is what I want you to hear. This is everything. This is the gateway for you to understand what God wants for you. That he wants freedom and joy. And so he calls us to live away. And when we trust him in that as a dependent child, we see the fruit of that. He will grow us. You ever been to someone's house before? Y'all ever do this as a kid? Like, I don't, I don't know if your parents let you do this, but when I was a kid, my, my mom and dad, they were working, they'd go out of town. They'd send me to my friend's house, you know, and it was always a win if it wasn't like the weekend because the weekend was like normal. I could have slumber parties on the weekend, but I couldn't have those during the week usually, right, because you got school. But when mom and dad went out of town, you'd go to their house and you would get to be part of their rhythm and their flow. So you'd eat their cereal and sometimes it had more sugar than maybe mom's cereal back at home and you would get to go and you'd get to watch more TV because that mom, Miss you know, Johnson was nicer than, uh, than your mom and you had to watch like 30 more minutes of TV. Or, you know, maybe it was like, okay, we'll let you go to bed at 10 p.m. and not 9.30 like your mama always wants you. And y'all would stay up an extra 30 minutes. And then you'd come home 
And, you know, you'd come back home and you'd go to school with them. You'd do this for three or four nights. And you'd come back home and you'd would, it'd be 930 at your house and your mom would go, hey, uh, it's bedtime. Go to bed. And you'd say, well, at Ms. Johnson's house. <laughs> and what did your mama say back to you? This ain't Ms. Johnson's house. You can go to Ms. Johnson's house if you want to live in Ms. Johnson's house. This is my house. This is our house. And that's what God's saying to us today. You're in my family. And I want to have a little family talk with you today. You see, God can call you to be an imitator of him because he's talking to his family. He's talking to his not child, his beloved child. Do you see how Paul has set this up for us to see there is a deep affection at the beginning of this as he has a little family talk with us, as he starts to enter into some of these things. I think we need a shift in our mind to understand that when we came to Christ, we weren't joining a church. We were gaining a brand new identity. God was giving us a new family. And yes, he set the bar pretty high, but the hope is really, really deep. The potential is massive. What he has for you, and maybe it's struggle, it's hard for you to believe that today. It's not my words, it's God's words. The potential for you in your life, he is going to take you. When he justified you, he is sanctifying you and he will grow you to look more like him until the day you stand before him and you are glorified and made whole and perfect in his sight. And man, sometimes that sanctification's hard. Sometimes it's tough. Sometimes it's just a little rough. But a loving father would give that to us. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're like, no, man, I kind of just want the rules. Oh, no, you don't want the rules? Or do you? I think sometimes we say, I don't want the rules. But then we're like, no, I really do kind of want the rules. I want the formula. I want to know, like, well, what is it I need to do? Nick, get to the end of your message. You only have like 10 minutes left. What are the three-point process that you have for me today on how to live in Christ? You know, it's like when I, was, I used to be a youth pastor, and I had a lot of high school guys, and ladies, I'm sorry, I'm about to give you a little insight into high school ministry with high school boys, so uh, cover your ears if you're not uh, ready for this, but uh, they would always ask the question, how far is too far? They'd always ask that question. Look, I'm just being real. Come on, guys, you know what I'm talking about. How far is too far? You know you've asked your youth pastor, well, how far is too far? They'd always ask that question to me. Where's the line? Where's the line? Where can I go to? What can I get up to? And they'd always ask that question to me. And I remember being young and new in the ministry, and I would always want to answer. Like, I had to have an answer to every question. And I was, like, insecure and worried that I was going to tell them, like, well, you can kiss her on the cheek. You may even kiss her on the lips, but don't do anything more than that. Like, just get right there on the line. And, and you know, the older I got, the more I realized they're not, there's a motivation behind this question. They're asking where the line is because they want to get right up on the line to get as close as they can, to say, I can do as much as I can and go as far as I can and do it all the way run right up to the line and go, still a Christian, going to heaven. You know what I'm saying? We've all done this. How angry am I supposed to get? How much am I supposed to drink? How much? And, and this is what you would probably want me to do today as we get into this list and you would see this list that you're gonna hopefully walk through in community groups more this week is how much. I'm not gonna answer that question for you because that's between you and the spirit of God. You have to see that God has now given you a position. And if you understand and steep in the reality of the position that he's given you and the relationship that he's called into you, it sets your heart on fire. It puts you on fire to go, my goodness, he did that for me. And that drives how we live. It's, 
It's, I, I say it this last way. It's like this. It's, uh, any Longhorns in here? Any Longhorn fans? Hey, love it. Oh, easy. We're in Austin. Easy. We're going to jump you in the parking lot out there, right? Uh, I'm kidding. So if you went to the University of Texas at Austin, uh, you were a Longhorn graduate. Okay, I get it. We've got a lot of fans. I'm going to talk about Longhorn graduates. Your identity is a Texas Longhorn, Tommy. You are a Longhorn, right? Get your horns up, right? Tommy would wear burnt orange and white because he's a Longhorn. He would put his horns up and yell, hook him horns, because his identity is a Texas Longhorn. That's what he would do. He didn't just start wearing burnt orange and putting his horns up and then became a Longhorn because of that. Sorry, fans, just want to tell you. I'm not trying to step on you here today. You can be a fan. We love it. But I'm telling you, the graduates, the real Longhorns, the ones that went to the University of Texas at Austin, that's their identity. And they, because they're a Longhorn, they wear orange. They wear white. They put their horns up. They have a language, a vernacular. They say, hook them horns. That's why they have a, a language, right? This is our family. We have a way of doing things in our family. And I love it. He says, what is the motivator for all of this? Well, one, your position is a beloved child. But check out verse two. He says, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. He's gonna take this picture and he's gonna expand it even more. He's gonna say, if you know your position as a beloved child, you know you're part of the family, and you know you're called to continually mimic and grow and be more like God, then, then you know what you need to do? You need to walk in love, walk in light, and walk in wisdom. That's what the rest of this text will talk about as he breaks it apart. The first, he says, walk in love. What kind of love? We got a lot of words for love, don't we? Love is far more, y'all know this, than sentimentalism. You've experienced this. The love that he refers to is Christ who loved us and gave himself up for us. It is a sacrificial, selfless giving. You know that, that phrase there, gave himself up? It literally means he voluntarily walked into his death. That's the love of Christ. That's the love. And it was a, it says, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. We don't have time to go through it today but I am gonna throw it up here on the screen just so you can see it, Exodus 30. And if you get a chance this week, I want you to read this, this idea of a fragrant offering. Maybe in community groups, Josh, uh, as you set out curriculum, maybe we can send this to community groups. But this is what it means uh, to be a fragrant offering. They would build the temple and they had all these levels to the temple back in ancient Jerusalem. And the holy of the holies was in the middle of the temple and only the priests could get to it. There were courts and layers and it represented uh, an unholy people coming to a holy God. And the pathway to get to God was through these courts. We've talked about this at different times during this series. But right at the very end, right before you get to the Holy of Holies, where the presence of God would contain himself, there was a veil. And God gives instructions in Exodus 30 for making an incense, making a fragrance that's made of myrrh and frankincense. Is this ringing some bells here? to stir it, to grind it together, and to send it up. And it was this picture of incense on an altar as close as it could to this massive veil on the other side where God was. And it was meant to be a, a pleasing smell about coming near to God and about the people bringing their best to him. And this is what happens when Jesus is on the cross and he says, it is finished. 
the veil gets torn. It comes down along with the rules, the regulations, and the systems. And God says back to his people, let me show you my love, my best. I want to give it to you. It is a fragrant sacrifice. It is a life given for yours. That is the pleasing aroma. That is the depth of this love. It is a selfless love. And then he walks in. He keeps going in this text, and he goes further into this text. And look at verse 3 through 5. He says this, but sexual immorality, here's where we get into some of this list. Sexual immorality, impurity, covetousness, and covetousness, oh, I can't say that, covetousness, must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, no foolish talk, no crude joking, which is out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or is covetous, which is idolatry, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Man, that is deep. That is a lot. And I, I want you to see this list up here. We're going to put up this chart up here. He lists these things, sexual morality. You can take a picture of this and study it a little bit further. Sexual morality, anything that is outside of what God calls for a sexual relationship, pornography, adultery, premarital, sex, giving way to sexual thoughts, impurity. Purity is just a broad word about filthiness, uncleanliness. Any, it's more than just sexual nature. Covetedness. It's this insatiable desire for more. Tim Keller says he gave a sermon on the seven deadly sins. And one of the things, uh, Tim is a pastor, by the way, up in New York. He said one of the things his wife predicted that when they talked about covetedness, greed, uh, that's a lot better to say greed, by the way. Greed, uh, it's easier for me. When they gave the sermon on greed, she predicted that they would have the lowest attendance in church that day. And, he, and she was right. And he said that even of the people who were there, they kind of just were unmoved by his message that day. And when asked why, he said, because greed is the air we breathe. None of us really believe that we're that greedy. None of us really deep down in our culture in America have a real, it's very rare to find someone who comes to you and say, Pastor, I need to tell you about, I'm struggling with wanting more money. <laughs> Pastor, I'm struggling with wanting more and this is what he says. He says, God is saying that these are things that are outside of what God's best for you is. Filthiness, foolish talk, crude joking. And he lists these things. And he says, replace them with thanksgiving. Here's what I want you to see. If selflessness is the greatest act of love, what is the opposite of that? Selfishness. I heard it. These things are all about me and my and getting my own. And sexual immorality, devouring something for myself, for my own pleasure. Impurity, coveted greed, wanting more, filthy, foolish talk to get people to laugh at me, to think I'm funny for I'm saying some crude joke. And God says, man, I don't want you to have anything to do with that. And then he says this, and this verse really caught me off guard. He says, let there be no filthiness or foolish talk or crude joking, but instead replace it with thanksgiving. Why thanksgiving? Because when you're thankful... When you're thankful for what you have, it's impossible to sin. The first sin in the Bible was what? Eve walked away from what God had given her everything and said, I want more. It wasn't enough, God. I want more. The first sin in the Bible is thanklessness. 
It's not being grateful for what we have. And God calls us, even you can feel it in the room right now, this stirring in us. God says, I want you to look into yourselves. If you persist in these things and you continue in these ways without checking yourself, without turning back to me, let me be real clear here. I get there are habits and struggles and addictions. Your pastor understands that today. And the constant trying, growing, coming back to God, confessing, repenting, moving out of it, this is a sign of the Spirit of God at work. And the other side of it, he says, if we can persist and we just give up to it, we say, I'm just going to go this way. This is what I'm doing. I'm doing my way this way. He says, man, that person probably wasn't ever part of the, the family. That person was probably never part of the family. And this is the picture he gives. It's hard. And he goes on in verse 7. He says, uh, therefore, don't associate with them. Anybody who uh, speaks empty words, what are empty words? People who tell you your lifestyle doesn't matter. Oh, it doesn't matter, man. There's no such thing as morality. It's like, man, that's emptiness. God calls you into living at a higher level, a higher standard. And he says, therefore, don't associate. And get this, look at verse 8. At one time, you were darkness, but what? Now you are. Come on, that was like a 2 on a 10. Well, let's try that again. You were darkness, but now you are. You were, but you are. You were, but you are. You were, but you are. You see, God comes back to you and says again, I want you to remember your position. Yes, we're talking about these things in our family. We don't want to live this way. I want to call you up to a better way of living. Let me remind you again where you were. You were one time not a child of God. Now you're a child of God. You're in this family. Grace abounds. You're with me. He reminds you again, and he even goes on to say, you are to walk as children of light. So walk in love, walk in selflessness, and walk as a child of light. Because he says in verse 9, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Try to discern what's pleasing to God. Again, there's this effort. Try. Take part in no unfruitful works of the darkness. Notice he said, don't be in the darkness. Can we just say that today, Christian? He didn't say, don't be in the darkness. It's kind of impossible not to walk out of here and be in some darkness sometimes. He says, don't participate in the unfruitful works of the darkness. He says, when you are light, you walk into a place and darkness has no choice but to be exposed. People see purity, goodness. What, did he, what does he say light is? He says it's pure, good, and true. People see that. You've been around people where you can tell and feel the difference, right? And he says light exposes this. Light shows the goodness and purity and the truth and things. And he says, wake up, O sleeper. Arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. He says, stay woke. <laughs> it's in the scripture. God says, awake, stay woke. Wake up. Shake you up today. You see, this is what he's trying to do to his kids because, y'all, he loves you. If we never checked us and how we're living to the standard of the family, and we never had any family talks, man, how would we ever grow? How would we let a good, loving God check us and say, I love you. I'm a, I want you to have another opportunity, and another, and another. And he says, come back to me. Wake up. And when you do, the light of Christ will shine on you. And then he closes it out, and we'll close it this way. And I'm going to let Tori take some of the back end of this next week because it really does play into the rest of the text in Ephesians. But he says, look carefully then on how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. That, that phrase, look carefully, be intentional with how you walk, wisely. 
And he says, what does that look like? What is walking in wisdom? Walking in love, walking in light, walking in wisdom. What does walking in wisdom look like? Walking in wisdom looks like using the best use of your time because the days are evil. So I'm curious. This is what came to me when I thought of it. Nick, are you using your time the best way right now? Are you giving the best, are you, have you figured out the best use of your time that you could possibly be living? I, I, I don't know what your plans are. I don't know if you're like, man, the next step in life is just to get that job promotion. Man, the next thing is just to get married, to find a guy. Man, the next thing is just for me to have kids. And then after that, the next thing is get them to college. And then after that, it's to retire. And then after that, it's what? Have you thought that far out? Is that crazy? You're like, I, don't, I can't think past Monday. What are you talking about, man? That's, that's me, by the way. God's saying, think that far out. Think about your life. So practical. Think about where you want to aim and go to. Nobody ever arrived at a destination without thinking about how to get there. Think about the wisdom of what you, how you want to live to get to where you want to be and who you want to be. How are you going to use your life? I want to ask you this question this week. Are you doing anything at all in your life right now that forces you with your time and with your life to put yourself in the place of a dependent child to God? Are you doing anything at all that puts you having to act in faith right now? You will see, mark my words, please hear me, you will see God move in supernatural ways when you place yourself in the position of being a child. You will see him when you step out as a dependent child, calling him, begging him, saying, I'm needy. That's what God wants for you. He wants you to be needy today. I know, I know, I know. Our prayer life is like this. God, please just bless all of us and this food for the nourishment of my body and just keep us safe and just be with us today, Lord. But God is saying, be needy of me. Ask me. Are there these things in your life that you want? You know that they're, they're tearing you apart and they're not bringing you the life and the satisfaction and the joy that the peace of God promises you? He says, come to me and beg me. You're like, Nick, I've done it before. I've come to him a lot. Do it again. Keep becoming. Keep trying, verse 10, to discern what the will of God is and what he has for you. God says, come back to him. And we end when he says, don't be filled up on wine, which is debauchery, which literally means, that word means don't be wasted. So that's one word your friends got right that's from the scriptures right there. Hello? Don't be wasted. Don't waste your life. Don't waste the light on the candle that's about to go out because the days are evil. The days are threatening your time. You don't know how much time you have. Don't waste it by being filled with wine and being drunk, but instead be filled with the Spirit. Now, I don't know about y'all, but my whole life I've been like, what does that mean, be filled with the Spirit? Hey, brother, just be filled with the Spirit. Just be filled with the Spirit. What does that even mean? Well, Paul is great. He actually lists out some practical ways when he thinks of being filled with the Spirit. Here's what he says and how he ends this. He says, it's addressing one another and singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart. Address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Isn't that funny? That God, when he thought of being filled with the Spirit, he thought about us singing together. I felt it today. Did y'all? Man, Casey sounds so good. That band sounds, Jennifer sounds great. Chris sounds amazing. Zach, you're awesome. Thank you for leading us. Because you know what? The community of saints sings the Spirit of God is made manifest. 
And when you sing alone, it says next, it says the next one is sing alone. Sing to get, sing to, in your heart. When you, Tori said it on the way over this morning, he was singing Hillsong and started crying. The Spirit is made manifest. When you are thankful, giving thanks always for everything, the Spirit fills you. And when you submit to one another. So that's the call today. It feels kind of heavy, maybe, unless you understand that your position hasn't changed. That you are a child beloved by God. That he is addressing you as a loving father. And he says, we need a savior who will pay our debt and forgive us. And we have that. His name is Jesus. We need a father who will bring us into a family of better life. And he's done that. And then he says, we need a spirit who will empower us to do it. That's what he is saying. Be empowered by God's spirit. Let him reveal to you the areas that need to grow, that need to stretch. Y'all, it is good. It is not heavy. It is good. It is loving. It is kindness of God to say, I'm not kicking you out. I'm just telling you, I want more for you. That's the message today. He's not getting rid of us, but he's saying, man, I have better for you. I want more for you. The gospel is that God already accepted you because of what Christ did. And he made you a child. Steep in that, and that leads you to change. Christianity is that good work comes from your salvation. It flows from your salvation, not for your salvation. And we are called to imitate God as a beloved child today, as a beloved child, to continually become more, to progress, to be in process. I'll just end by realizing that there's probably people in this room that feel the weight of that. Uh, Maybe you do. I want to say to you today, you're like, uh, maybe one group of people in here are like, I can't do that, man. I've struggled too much. It's been too difficult. I want you to know something. I want you to hear it from my mouth. I am not perfect. I struggle deeply. I have been some of those things that were up on that screen. I still struggle with some of those things. But I come into the light and I bring it. And you know what God does? He takes it off my shoulders. He brings me freedom. And if you're sitting here today and said, I can't do it. I keep struggling. It's been going on. You have no idea. Can I just tell you, well done for even being here today. Well done for sitting with us today. God says, try again. Come again. Don't try and strive to be like him. Come and die to yourself and focusing on yourself and steep in the reality of what he has done for you. And for whatever person in here that may not even know Jesus today, you're like, I'm not even in that family. The, the band can come up, by the way. Whatever person that's there, can I just tell you that heaven is wide open for you today. It's not your performance. You can't earn your way to God today. All you can do is open your hands like a needy child and say, Daddy, I need you. And he offers you eternal life, freedom, and he promises to grow you into the person he longs for you to be. Take it today. Take the gift. Let's pray.
Father, I get uh, I just get I get it. I get how uh, this could feel weighty even at times. I've been in the seat and I have been there a lot where you know, Lord, you know my brokenness, you know the areas you long to heal, you know the spaces and the places you long to stretch me and grow me from my pride to my anger to all of my struggles. But you know too, God, that I'm not the same person that I was 10 years ago. And you know that about your children sitting in this room today. You have grown them, Lord. You have excelled them. You have made them look more like you and made them more of an imitator like you. It's a beautiful goal, God, to strive to that, to, to want to be like that. But what's more beautiful is resting in this truth and to let this joy in our heart, if, they could if we could just remember today, God, that you pulled us out of the muck and you pulled us out of the pain and you set us on the right path. If we remember where we were and where we are now, God, that should fire us up and be the fuel to run towards life with you. And so I do, as a shepherd in this church, is so humbled and don't even get that some days, I do ask you to take your loving children right now over these next couple songs and to speak to them and to reveal where are the spaces that they need to grow. Where are the places that, let me rephrase that, God, not that they need to grow. They need to open their hands in dependency and let you grow them. It's what you promised to do, God. It's what you said you're going to do. It is not, you say, work out your salvation in fear and trembling, for it is not you who work, but God who works to will and to do it. What you've started, God, I believe you'll finish. And I pray that today over these people. May they be encouraged today and walk out of here. And for the person in here who doesn't know you, who doesn't know if where they stand positionally with you, I pray that here today there is a God who longs to welcome them in with open arms. And I pray that they would take the free gift and just tell you today, I need you. And to know when they say that, you say, come home. Welcome home. We love you, God. Show us the way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.